Can we dive in today? Yeah. I'm so excited. Man, I'm so excited about today. Here's what we want to do. Let's just start as you're making your way to Mark 4. Let me pray for us today. Father, I thank you so much for who you are. Holy Spirit, we give you authority in this service right now just to say and do whatever you want to do. God, we've got our plans, but ultimately you trump them. And, uh, and so we ask you to speak, um, teach and preach through me today, Holy Spirit, till the soil of hearts that are here today, God. We're, we're listening, and we ask it all in the mighty name of Jesus, amen and amen. Well, we are a week away from Christmas. How many of you love Christmas time? How many of you, I'm not going to ask that question. Uh, Christmas time, Christmas time, and look, it can be good or bad for people, you know, and, and for, for multiple reasons. Um, I know if you're, if you're probably under the age of, you know, 14 or so, you probably love Christmas, right? Because parents, isn't like everything we do really revolves around the kids. Uh, I mean, we're working extra out, we're doing whatever we can so that we can provide a little something for the kids. One of the, I got to be honest with you, and this just goes to show like for, for me, you know, and I respect my parents that they gave good gifts, but it was like, a couple, right? It was like, you know, great, great, and, and, and we always, we were blessed. But what I'm finding with my family, see, my wife lives in Baton Rouge, and she's got a huge family. I'm talking about, like, her mom is one of 12. You want to talk about aunts and uncles and then cousins. I mean, it's just like, I don't even know how many of them. And they just love to shower gifts on our kids, which is great for them. But I'll be honest with you. It's just me being real. I, I have struggled. There's been some Christmases where, where I have struggled, and knowing, knowing the real meaning of Christmas and knowing really what this is all about and, and trying to raise my kids right, and we'll go to Baton Rouge, and, there, there, and, and, and again, I told you, it's just a huge family, right? We, I will walk in, and you can't even see the Christmas tree. <laughs> just gifts for my kids. And I got to tell you, I, I show there's times where I feel like I, I need to repent or something. This is, I am not teaching. Because what I, what I don't like is when my kids will start opening a gift, they'll look at it because they know they got another one coming. They'll look at it for about 1.5 seconds and say, woohoo, next. And I'm just sitting there like, oh, if you say next one more time, I'm about to, I'm about to, I'm going to have to teach a lesson right here in the Christmas time. Come on. I'm, I mean, I'm trying to teach my kids. They need to be grateful. They need to be grateful for, for this is sacrifice. This is not like, what's next? I need, it's just me, 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 me. No, 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 not you, 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 you. So I'm just sharing my struggle with you. And, and what, the worst part is they'll, get, they'll, they'll be just piling gifts over there, and they get to the last one, and they toss it, and then they say, is that it? I'm like, hmm. Hey, I need to see y'all real quick. I need to come see. <laughs> I am not trying to have all of that raising, my, raising some spoiled kids. Ain't going to happen. But think about that for a second, though. Those gifts didn't just magically appear. Somebody had to pay for those. That money came from somebody working for those things. How would you feel like if you... If you sacrificed, you worked a little bit of overtime, you know, and you really put in what you had to put in so that you could give a little something, even if it's small, something for 
for your son or your daughter. And, and time comes, Christmas Day comes, and, and maybe it's just this one gift that, man, they, was, they really wanted this gift, and it's, it's come time to open, and they take it, and they're like, yes, you know, thank you for this gift. Well, I, I'm just so thankful for this gift. And, and then they, they, they put it off to the side, and it just sits there for the rest of the year, and they never use it. You would be like, hold on, hold, hold, hold on a minute. Like, you need to actually use that thing. I paid for that. I sacrificed for that. Not so that you could sit there and thank me for it and, and talk about how much you really liked it and so thankful and then just toss it over to the side and then never pick it up again. And it made me start to think this week about how many times we do this to God. How many times we do this to God when we're, you know, God, the, the, the gift of Christmas is about God coming to us in the form of man, in the person of Jesus, in a stable, in a barn. Why? Why? How, could, how could deity and the throne of heaven come down to, to, to that low of a point? You know why he did it? For you and for me. But when Jesus came, he came with some gifts to give his people. And what I find is that a lot of the time, especially in church. Come on, we're going to get real today. It's going to get positive at the end, okay? <laughs> Hang with me. A lot of times what we do is, is we, we, we like to get, I mean, I mean, in church, we come to church, we're like, oh, I feel good about this. And, and, you know, I'm like Santa, right? So I'm like handing out gifts, like here's joy and peace and faith. And we're like, oh, I love this gift. Yeah, let's sing about this one again. Oh, this is great. Oh, let's learn about this gift. And then you know what happens? You walk out those doors right there, and then there's a pile of gifts right at the back door right there, right at the entrance right there. Because you have the gift, and you say, I'll see you next week. And you go about your life. And you get excited about coming back to church because you get to pick that gift up again and use it and talk about it and sing about it. But no real change is happening in your life. This is just for some of us. This is for some of us. It's for some of us. Not everybody. But real change. I want to tell you something. I am not in the business of inspiration only. I will do, I, there's other things that I could be doing. I am not here merely to inspire you for an hour and a half so that you can go out of these doors the same as you came in. And so what happens is, is these gifts are put in front of us, and if we don't open them and use them, what the church becomes is like an inspirational therapy session, and no life change happens. And you're like, oh, I feel so good. I feel so encouraged. I feel so inspired. But we walk out, and with all these gifts that Christ died to give us, pile them by the entrance door of the church, and then we walk out the same. But today we're going to do things a little different, aren't we? We're going to see two gifts that Jesus brought to us, to the church, to his people, that I think are two of the most unopened gifts, but two of the most common gifts. In other words, they're gifts that we sing about all the time, and we love to talk about these gifts, but rarely do we really open these these gifts. Can we talk about it? Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4. The first gift that we're going to look at, and I'm going to go under the tree to find this gift. Uh, the first gift that we're going to look at today is, uh, is, is the gift of peace. The gift of peace. Now, now, you know, the Christmas story is, is that peace on earth, goodwill to me. Jesus has come. Peace on earth. What does that mean? 
What does the gift of peace really mean? And I want to look and illustrate this in Mark chapter 4, starting in verse 35. And it says this, On that day when evening had come, he, Jesus, Jesus said to the disciples, Let us go across to the other side. Now here's some context you need to know. He's in teaching mode right now. Right? He's in teaching mode. And so he's about to teach them something. And so he said, let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with him in the boat, just as he was. And other boats were with him. And a a great windstorm arose. And the waves were breaking into the boat so that the boat was already filling. Like, this is serious. It's not like, you know, we got a little bit of chop going on. The the, the water is is filling the boat. But, But Jesus was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and they said to him, teacher, do you not care that we're perishing? And, and he woke up and he rebuked the wind and the sea and he said, peace, peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was great calm. And he said, Jesus, looking at them in this teaching moment, he said, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear. And they said to one another, who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Even the wind and the sea obey him. In this teaching moment, one thing that I want to show you really quickly is that verse 35 says that Jesus is the one who led them right into one of the biggest storms of their life. Jesus was the one who led them right into one of the biggest storms of their life. So like what you and I start to do when something like that hits our life and we're being tossed and water's filling the boat is that we begin to first rebuke the devil. We begin to yell at, we begin to just get angry. We begin to just, why is this happening? And, and we're worried. We're, we're, we're just not at peace and we can't understand. And, and all the while, just so you know, Jesus is in that boat sleep, just chilling. And you're panicking up there. You're just freaking out. Why is this happening? And he's just chilling. But I wanted wanted to share, before we move on, I wanted to share something with you. Many times, the storms in our life, God will allow them to reveal your foundation. He will allow some things because he loves you, because otherwise you wouldn't really get to see the area that he wants to strengthen you in. And so some of you are in a storm right now, And instead of rebuking the devil, you need to be saying, God, what are you trying to teach me in this moment? I am listening. I'm listening. And I got the peace speaker in the boat with me. Okay, that's some good news right there. So we see, we see even in verse 40, I love that because he, he, he says, look, the boat was filling up, craziness, wind and waves, and he says, why, why, why were you afraid? Have you no faith? It's almost as if Jesus was saying, listen, his expectation of them was even in the midst of chaos was to be at peace. Now, this is easier said than done, isn't it? Oh, don't look at me like with that. that, that. It's easier said than done. When we start really diving into this, this element of peace, Jesus was expecting them. Craziness, wind, crazy storm, water filling the boat, you can still be at peace. So peace is not necessarily the absence, hear this, it's not the absence of conflict, but the presence of Jesus. Peace is not the absence of conflict, but the presence of Jesus. And if, if we could define peace, I thought through this this week. And if I could really just boil down what peace, the gift of peace is, here, here's what I came, what I feel like the Lord gave me. It is a deep-rooted confidence 
in the faithfulness of God, which quiets the soul. Peace is a deep-rooted confidence in the faithfulness of God, which quiets the soul. But if we're honest with each other, it kind of comes and goes, doesn't it? Well, it comes and goes for me. I'll be honest with you. We, 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 like when we start saying, well, what is peace? And am I at peace? Are you at peace? Well, sometimes it's kind of hard to define. But I'll tell you this. When it's not there, you know it. And what happens, we were wired in such a way that, that we would constantly be searching and searching because, because he, he doesn't want us. We will not be satisfied until we, until we surrender to Jesus and realize that he's in our boat and trust in him. And so many times, though, because of job and finances and, and relationship tension and family tension and, and, and all of the things that are going on, uh, you, you know, we, we find ourselves in this place of just uh, of not really trusting in the faithfulness of God. It might come and then we and then and then it goes and and so we live in this kind of constant state of just trying to hold on to some peace. See, some of y'all, where do you go for peace? I don't know. Some of y'all vegging out on Netflix. Some of y'all like you know just just eat a bunch of you know a bunch of nasty food. Maybe y'all like to just go just spend money you don't have. I don't know. But, but we do that, don't we? We, we? we have to find, maybe this will fill us. Maybe this will satisfy. Maybe this will give us the peace that we, that we need, only to, to realize that we're just as empty as when we started. It's the, the gift of peace is for us today, and I, I just want to be honest with you. I got an 11-month-old daughter, and, and I'll tell you, if you want to zap the peace out of me in a moment, be honest with you, my wife, um, there's times where she says, hey, I got to go do some things, and you got the kids. And I'm like, all right, I'm good. I mean, I got four kids. I done been there and done that, right? I'm good. You go do what you got to do. Selah, my, my, my youngest daughter, Selah, she's different, though. She, she is so glued to joy. She's so glued to my wife that, that, that there's times where I, everything is good. Everything is good. 20, 30 minutes goes by. She's laughing. She, and then I can see the switch go off. It's as if in her head she thought, she just thinks, wait a minute, mommy is not here. <laughs> and then everything changes. Everything changes. She begins to scream and panic and throw herself and just, I'm talking about just the whole, I mean like really intense crying. Really intense. I'll be at my, that's happened at my parents' house before. And then my mama, I got her, I, I got her. And she's bouncing, you know, and she's like, and then she, that's not working. So my dad, G-Daddy, G-Daddy, I'll take her outside. G-Daddy thinks he just knows everything. He, he's, I, I got this, you know. Um, I got this. And he, it's not working. He comes back and it's not working, right? Everybody tries everything. And then finally, when nobody else, they're like, well, it's your kid, so you take her. <laughs> right? So then I'm just standing there. And, and like 30 minutes goes by, 45 minutes, and it's just screeching, screaming. I'm about to go insane. I'm just being real. I heard, this is true, I heard that in some countries, they torture people by playing a screaming baby in the cell of the prisoner. Can you imagine 24 hours a day, a screaming baby playing through a speaker in your cell? Terrible. 
But here's the thing. What will happen is, is that Joy will come home, and she'd be, that's like an hour of screaming right now. And Joy will come home, and the moment she reaches her hand and grabs Selah, smiling, everything is good. And I'm just like, you have got to be kidding me. You have got to be kidding me right now. See, peace for Selah, interesting, her name represents peace and calm. <laughs> we're, pr- we're praying that one in. <laughs> peace to Selah is the person of joy. It's the person of my wife. Oh, it's not a concept. It's not a, it's not a song. It's not, a, it's not a, a bounce. It is the person of mommy. That's it. That's all, that's all she wants. But what happens with us is that, you know, when I, I started looking this up and I, I started realizing that 40 million Americans suffer with chronic, like chronic um, 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 stress disorders and anxiety disorders, and more than half of the country deals with chronic stress. Not just like, oh, I'm stressed out right now. I get stressed, you know, when things are crazy. No, I mean every day living with a crying baby in their arms, just like, oh my goodness, just, just constantly weighted down with stress. And so there's this tension because we've got, we, we, we come and we sing about peace and we, oh, Christmas and G, little baby Jesus bringing, oh, peace on earth. Oh, isn't that cute? Oh, it's just cute. Peace on earth. But in reality, there's another gift that's been put at our table. And, and, and this gift, it always kind of goes contrary to peace. And, and this, this gift, by the way, it ain't from God. It is not from God. Right. But it's the gift that we pick up the most. And it's the gift of worry. And, and this 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 worry. See, see, worry actually it leads us uh, into a place of more stress and more stress. And and here's here's what we need to, to realize today. You have an opportunity to open either one. But let me say this. Both of these gifts deal with the unknown. Both of these gifts deal with the unknown. You see, when the disciples were in the boat, all they could see was the current circumstances. And they had a decision to make. I know Jesus is sleeping down there. I know he's with us. It doesn't seem like he's with us. It doesn't seem like he even knows that there's a storm right now. But I know he's here. I'm not sure what's going to happen. It's dealing with the future. We could die. We, this could happen. That could happen. And when we lose trust in the faithfulness of Christ because he's in our boat, this begins to get open, and we tear it open, and we begin to wear it like a shirt. We begin to wear it like a shirt, and it begins to actually define us. I remember last year I finished my, 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 my degree, and I remember... Um, there was this one week where I had like a 15-page paper to write, and it was due by Sunday night. And I was preaching that Sunday, so I also had to get my sermon together. And then, you know, with all the working and all the other things and four kids and all that, and I just, I remember so vividly, I was driving from church, it was a Monday, and I crossed Park Boulevard right here, and I was so stressed out. And I felt the Lord just kind of speak to my spirit, and I, and I felt like the Lord says, Stephen, let's talk for a minute, you know, uh, you're, you're obviously overwhelmed. What if I told you that by Sunday night, your paper is going to get done, like you're going to do it, and it's going to be, you're going to get an A on it, I'm going to give you the words you need for the church, the sermon's going to go great. Like, what if I told you in this moment that all of the things that you're currently worried about are not going to happen the way that, that you think? Would, would that cause you to be a little less stressed? 
And I, I kind of felt like, like, is this a trick question, God? I'm not really sure how to answer that. Well, of course I would be less stressed. If I knew the future, if I knew that by Sunday night, if you could give me a vivid picture and I could see myself holding my paper with an A on it, right? And I could see everybody blessed from the sermon. Everything got taken care of. Of course I wouldn't be stressed right now. And then I was like, oh, I see where you're going with that. You see, what I'm doing is, is I'm not really trusting God for my future. And, and, and really, it, my circumstances are dictating my current state of peace. And I was praying about that this week for you, and I felt like God said some, something to you. And, and because here's the, here's the honest truth. Sometimes the paper doesn't get done. Sometimes the sermon doesn't go so well. Sometimes it does, life doesn't go the way that you planned it to go. What then? And here's what I felt like the Lord said to those of you who are thinking that right now. What if God told you right now that things might be difficult, but he's going to be with you? And not only is he going to be with you, but he's going to work this difficulty for your good. He's going he's gonna to take the things that, that the enemy is using to destroy you, and he's going to remove the destructive power from those things, and then he's going to form them to your good. It's like God is saying, if you knew that, would you be less stressed and worried right now? Well, yes. Like, if I knew that this, this trial that I'm facing right now, this, this, this pressure, if, if God actually came and told me personally, you're going to have to go. It's not going to be easy. I'm going to be with you. And when you come out on the other side, you're going to be so much stronger. I'm going to use all of these. If you'll trust me, I'm going to use all of these circumstances and I'm going to use them for your good because I love you. Would it take some of the stress off of you right now? I think it would. And yet God has already done that. God is in Romans 8, 28. God is able to make all things work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. But what voice are we listening to? What present are we, what gift are we opening today? What gift have you been? Listen, throw this thing in the, throw it in the trash. This, this worry is meant to redefine who you are. Peace is in the gift. It's the person of Jesus. Psalm 29, 11. Put it up there for me. It says, the Lord will give strength to his people. Now, I'm going to read it in the NASB. It says, the Lord will give strength to his people. The Lord will bless his people with peace. Ephesians 2, 14 says, for he himself is our peace. Philippians 4.9 says, the God of peace will be with you. You see, we see here in these verses that peace is much more a person than a feeling. Peace is much more a person than a feeling. It's, it's not a concept. It's not something that we sing about. It's, it's, it's trusting in the faithfulness of who Jesus is for you. You say, well, how do I do that? How do I go out of here and not take the gift and drop it by the door as I walk back out to my normal life? 
Like, how does that even, how does that look? Isaiah 26, 3 says, You will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. You see, I wish there was like a magic formula that I could tell you do this, this, and this, and then every day you're going to be at peace. Here's the magic formula. Wake up and make a decision to trust in Christ. To, tr- to, to, to trust in the faithfulness of God, no matter what you're facing today. This is being offered to you today. Before we go to our, next, our, ne- our last gift, this is being offered to you. Here's the thing, though. You're sitting in here, and you're like, oh, this is great. Oh, this is great. You know, the presence up there. Oh, this is awesome. I'll take one. Here's the thing, though. I can't open this for you. Your grandma, who, who, who brought you to church when you were a kid, she can't open this for you. Your, your B group leader can't open this for you. Your mom, your dad, your husband, your wife, they can't open this for you. You have to do that. You have to make a choice. It's easy to make that choice in this room, by the way. But when we go back out there and the, and the real hits the real and the job is struggling and the finances are shaky, relationships are shaky, which present will you open then? I pray that you open the gift of peace. Well, there's one more gift that we're going to talk about, and I, I'm ex- excited about this gift. I think it's one of the most under-talked about, or, or I, I should say this differently. It is, it is probably the most talked about, but the, the, the least opened. This is a gift that, that many of us hear about all the time. This is the gift of grace. Some of you already are like, man, I, I just came on the wrong day. Like, I got that. Like, that's just like, that's like bread and butter of Christianity. Of course, grace. I know that already. Really? Oh, you know about it. And, and many of you, 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 you know the dimensions of the gift. You know the type of paper. You, you, know, you know all, you know the weight. You can teach a two-hour class on the, the dimensions of the present of grace. And you can sing about it. Oh, amazing. Oh, I love that. I love to sing about grace. But I'm telling you what, every Sunday, there's a pile of grace boxes right by that door. Because we really don't know what it looks like to open this. We really, we really don't know what it looks like to really live in the grace that Christ provided for us. Ephesians 2 and 8 says, it is by grace that you've been saved through faith, not of your own doing. It is the gift of God. It's the gift of God. Romans 8, 32, one of my favorite verses in all the Bible says, he who did not spare his own son, hear this verse, this is just, this has encouraged me so many times in my life. He who did not spare his own son, but gave, willingly gave him up for you and for me, how will he not also with Christ graciously give you and I all things? All things that we could ever need for all of eternity is found in Christ. And the grace of Christ. The most unopened gift. All right, let's talk about why. Why is this the most unopened gift? Well, here's why. Because culture, culture is defining us whether you like it or not. Culture is defining us whether you like it or not. And culture says we are defined by what we do. And, and grace says that we are defined by what he did. 
This is not easy for you and I. This is not easy practically for you and I. This was hard for me to grasp. I'll be honest with you. I got saved when I was 21 years old, and, and I, I got radically, man, I was just on fire for the Lord and got into a great church, and I started serving. I'm parking, and I'm, I'm doing the cafe. I'm just, you know, I'm going to the college class. I'm doing all the things. And on the surface, it could look like, man, Stephen, man, he's just a, he's a, he's just a great Christian. But inside, I knew some things that were happening on the inside. I knew that I would go back into my week and, and struggle with the same things. I would find myself making decisions that I'm like, why did I make? How can I? I can't stop making these decisions. Oh, but when I went to, I went to church, it was like, bless you, brother. I, I'm blessed and highly favored. Praise God. But inside, I knew there were some things that I couldn't quite understand. And I'll tell you. What happens in the tension of grace is that, is that there's, a, there's, another, there's another gift that comes when we don't understand the gift of grace, and, and this is the gift of guilt. Now, what happens is, is, is we, I'll just be, honestly, we don't mind this a little bit. And let me tell you why. Because culture says to us, you get what you deserve. You get what you deserve. And we start early with that. You're on a baseball team, guess what? You strike out, you go into the bench. You hit home runs, you make an all-stars. At work, you do really well, you get promoted. You show up late all the time and looking sloppy, you're getting fired. Right? It's you get what you deserve, don't you? And that's the culture that we live in. And, and you, you have to pay for things that you, that you get or that if I do something, I've got to pay for that. And, and so this is, this is ingrained in who we are. So when we come to the gift of grace, it is easy to sing about, but it is difficult to live in. What we do is we, we know it, we can quote it, for by grace I've been saved. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. And then I fail. And I feel like, well, God probably jumped out of the ship for a little while. And uh, so, so, so the, he's, he's abandoned ship. And, and so I'm here. And, and so now what do I got to do is I got to kind of wallow for a little while and, and do some things. I maybe got to read double time today. I got to read more scripture. I got to pray more. And, and, you know, when I get back and kind of pay for those things and God will kind of jump back into the ship and we'll be good. I, there's been, there were moments in my life where I actually didn't even go to church because I was like, I'm not there yet. I, I really blew it. I, I'm not there yet. And what we think is that you and I love God but fail, and we think that, that Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is like, oh, no, and they're out. They're like, listen, I cannot believe, I don't even know what to do right now. Uh, we need a plan because I was not expecting that. Now, now listen, you, you do some things and say a bunch of prayers, and you, you do some more things, and, 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 the, and the three of us, We'll, 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 we'll talk next week. We'll talk to you next, and just see if, you're, if, you're, if you've gotten good enough for us to get back in the ship. Like, do you think your sin surprised God? Like, do you think that they're up in heaven and, and, and Jesus is like, oh my goodness, I don't know what I'm going to do. He messed up again. And Holy Spirit's like, I hate to say it, Jesus, you might have to go die again. I don't know. I'm not sure. Eh. I don't know what to do right now. Father's like, yeah, this is, I wasn't expecting that one either. What should we do right now? That, no, 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 no. And so for me, I felt like the Lord said, he said, Stephen, you can wallow for a little while and, and, and you can try to do some things and read more scripture. But do you think your wallowing is going to pay for your sin? 
Oh, you're going to have to wallow for a long time. If you, that's not even scratching the surface of paying for your sin. Oh, you could do good things and never sin for the rest of your life, and it wouldn't even scratch the surface of paying for that sin. And God said to me, and I knew that, and so that's why I sent Jesus to pay for your sin, past, present, and future. That's hard for us to understand. Past, present, future. Let me tell see, there's people right now who don't like what I'm saying. I feel the tension in the room because you're like, oh, future sin too? Um, I don't know about that. I can't come to grips with that because I think I'm going to have to, you know, I'm going to have to work for that one. No, no, no. Past, present, future. Amen. Meaning God can never love you any less or any more than he loves you right now. You, as a Christian, cannot be any more forgiven or less forgiven than you are right now. You, as a Christian, cannot be any less righteous or more righteous than you are right now. You cannot become less a child of God than you are right now or more a child of God. You are saved, sealed, redeemed, forgiven, set free because of who Jesus is is and you're telling me but I don't feel like it your attention to back to me and I understand it you're like that sound oh that's the church thing to say oh yes but I don't feel that way I feel I feel guilt I feel shame which leads to condemnation and ultimately is listen this present it, it, it seems like a gift, but you pay for this one. Oh, you pay more than you ever thought you would. This is free. It's like free, free. I, and free is for me. You're talking about, hey, I got you know, a free lunch. Or a free, I'm in. Free is for me. This, not so much. This will cost you. It will come subtly in your life. And it will remind you of your past sin. It will remind you of the things that you've done. It will bring shame into your life. It will rob you of your calling. It will keep you from serving the body of Christ, by the way. And many of you who've been through some things say, well, I'm not ready to really get involved in the church and serve yet. I'm not quite, like, what, worthy enough? Listen, we, we, are, we are children of God by birth, not worth. In other words, my son Caleb, who just turned 12, 11, don't ask me how many years I've been married, just kidding, 14, just turned 11 years old. He is my son by birth, like he didn't have a choice. He likes it, doesn't like it, doesn't matter, he's my son. So if he were to come up to me and say, hey, Dad, you know, <clears throat> I'm so excited right now. I'm just so excited. I did all my chores and, uh, you know, made my bed, brushed my teeth, you know, just go, look, everything's great. I'm, I'm just so glad. And you're going to be so, th I feel now because of all the things that I did for you that I'm now worthy, worthy for the dinner that you're going to provide for me tonight. Like, we, we, we need to have some, some testing done or something. What? What? You are now worthy to sit at the table 
and eat the food that I pay for? This has nothing to do with what you do. Now, I may make you stay there longer till you eat what, you know, the green side too. But it has nothing to do with what you did or didn't do. This has to do with the fact that you are born as my son. Nothing's going to change that. No amount of chores you do or don't do. You can run out of this home and say that you're not a part of this family. It will not make you any less my son. You are my son. Whether you like, I'm loving you no matter what comes. This is the way that Christianity is. And I'm just here to tell you that many times we treat God like Santa Claus. And we think that, that God is up there like making his list. And he's checking it twice because he's trying to find out who's naughty and nice. If that's God, ain't nobody getting presents this year because we're all on the naughty list. (laughs) Every one of us. Thankfully, he knew that and he sent Jesus. You see, grace, grace is not a song or a concept. Grace is the person of Jesus. It's the person of Jesus. It's who he is. It's, it's his essence. It's, you know, we talk about the, the, the definition. Yes, it's, it's undeserved, unmerited favor. You, you don't do anything to deserve it. You see, here's what happens, and Paul talks about this in Colossians chapter 2. He says, just as you received him, so walk in him. What is he saying? He says, oh, you, you started right. Simply faith in who Christ is, belief receiving the grace that's how you got saved but then you think you're going you're going to continue in your own strength and he says no 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 just the way that you said yes to him those of you some of you are here that came down here last week and said yes to Jesus that's exactly how you live for him every day you wake up and you say god i love you and i put my faith in you today I don't have it in my own strength, but you have it, and the grace is there for me, the forgiveness is there, and Holy Spirit, fill me right now, and I'm just gonna surrender all I am to you today. I love you. In that moment, grace fuels obedience. See, some people think, I've heard phrases like greasy grace. I'm like, what? And people be like, well, if you talk too much about grace, people just gonna do whatever they want. I'm just, oh, what? God's going to forgive me no matter what. I go do whatever I want. Just come back. That's going to be grace. Yeah. Well, if that's the way you think you haven't met grace, you've met a concept. Because grace leads us to, it leads us to righteousness, not unrighteousness. This is what God spoke to me a long time ago, struggling in sin, loving God, though. He said, okay, what I want you to do right now is the next time that you sin, immediately after that, I'm talking about, I'm going to give you one second. I want you to start worshiping me. And I was like, hold up, what? You got to give me a little bit of time, God, like an hour. Like, I'm not, I don't feel, I just messed up. I just sinned. I, don't feel like, I can't worship you then. I'm not worthy. And he said, that's exactly why I need you to do that. Because when you lay that guilt down and you pick up grace even a moment after failure and you begin to say God I'm so sorry but I thank you for grace I thank you for forgiveness and mercy I don't deserve it but it's there I thank you that I'm your son and 
Nothing I do can change that. And so in this moment, I just worship you. I just give you praise. You see, in that moment, the presence of God aligns me to kingdom thoughts. And, and, and guilt and shame have no place there. And yet we come here and we, we come to church and we, we talk about it and we study it and we, we love to sing about it and we really struggle. It's kind of like grace comes to, to like give us a bear hug. And we don't quite know how to handle that. I'm gonna illu- Jesse, come on up here again. I'm going to just try to illustrate this. <clears throat> Jesse, you're going to represent grace. Now, y'all know the church hug, right? The little side, right? So, so grace is coming to us and, and just, with a, just with a bear hug. I mean, just like, I don't care anybody. We just, we're going to embrace. <clears throat> and we, we don't quite know how to handle that. So you just kind of come at me like a, with a bear hug. And I'm, I'm like, um, yeah, uh, um, uh, uh, um, hey, 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 brother. Hey, 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 brother. Hey, brother. It's kind of awkward. I mean, we've all had those moments where you like go in for a handshake and then you switch and you're like, um, 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 uh, hey, hey, hey. Right? Thank you, Jesse. <laughs> just like that awkward side hug. I love grace. I just don't know what to do with it. Like when real life comes and real struggle comes and real tension comes, I just, I, I don't know. I don't know how to embrace grace. I'm here to tell you guys today that the gospel is all about grace. In closing today, I just want to read, I want to read something to you, and this is straight from Scripture. This is an illustration of grace, and I just, just receive this today. Don't throw it by the door when you walk out of here. What Jesus brought to the earth when he came as a baby are some amazing gifts that we need to live in every single day. Grace is a farmer paying a full day's wage to a crew that only worked a single hour. That's Matthew 20. It's a man marrying an abandoned woman and then refusing to forsake his covenant with her when she turns out to be a prostitute. That's Hosea 1. It's the insanity of a shepherd who puts 99 sheep at risk to rescue the single lamb that was too stupid to stay with the flock. That's Luke 15. It's the love of a father who hands over his finest rings and robes to a young man who has squandered his inheritance on drunken binges with his fair weather friends. That's Luke 15. You getting the picture? Grace... It's, it's a one-way love that calls you into the kingdom, not because you've been good, but because God has chosen you and made you his own, and now he's chasing you to the ends of the earth to keep you as his child, and nothing in heaven or hell can ever stop him from that. This is, this is crazy grace. This is crazy grace. It doesn't make sense. But we're not so much required to figure it out as just to embrace it. So today, would you embrace grace? Would you embrace grace? And would you allow the grace of Christ to fuel obedience in your life? Don't be scared of it. Don't side hug it. Embrace it. So today, as, as we face the Christmas season and as we're getting ready to open presents and getting ready to just enjoy this season with family, 
I want to just remind us that the gift of peace is here for you today in the person of Jesus. The gift of grace is here for you today because of what Jesus did for you. And by faith, I'm asking us together to choose to live in these promises. Would you pray with me today? Father, we thank you for who you are. We thank you, God, for speaking to our hearts, for loving us unconditionally, for never giving up on us. God, I just thank you for the work that you're doing inside of us. I thank you that we are in process of becoming who we already are. You've called us righteous, and yet we are in process of becoming more like you. And, and so I just thank you for every person in this room and and who they represent, and the families that are represented here, and the work that you want to do, and restoring families, and restoring marriages, and, and, and bringing hope, and bringing peace, and bringing grace, and bringing love. This is the gospel. I thank you for doing that. With heads bowed and eyes closed, if there may be one person in here at all who, while I'm talking, your heart is kind of being tugged at, and, and you're not really sure where you stand. I want to tell you something today. Today is the day of salvation. 21-year-old crazy kid. God came and knocked on my door, just like he's knocking on your door. But see, he's not going to kick that door in. you got to open the door. And so my question is that there anyone in this room that maybe for the very first time in your life are ready to open that door and let Jesus in and let peace in and let grace flood your life? If that's you, I want to pray for you. I'm not going to embarrass you. But if you would slip your hand up right now and just say, would you pray for me? I'm going to open that door and let Jesus in. Amen. I see your hands. I see your hands. Amen. Today is the day of salvation, church. Thank you. You can put your hands down. Now listen, heads bowed and eyes closed. If you, if you prayed that prayer, I want you to pray with me. And actually, what I want to do is I want all of us to pray this together out loud. But if you raised your hand, maybe for the very first time, this is a decision of faith. This is not a ritual. This is not something that we just say to say the word. No, this is a, this is a faith step in our heart. The Bible says, confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and you will be saved. So would you say this with me? Say, Father, I believe that Jesus died for me. He died for my sins. But he was raised on the third day, and he's alive right now. And I'm asking you today to forgive me of all my sins. Wash me, cleanse me, and fill me with your spirit. I make you the Lord of my life and commit myself to you. In Jesus' name.